Hello, Rachel here with a brief, I guess a public service announcement and errata to explain something about the episode that you are about to hear. And if you listen to all of these episodes where we discuss the play scene by scene, you're going to hear this message multiple times. And I apologize for that to. This important information is that there is a method that my co-hosts and I discuss called Original Practice Shakespeare that we have since learned was not original practice to Shakespeare at all. There is zero evidence to suggest that Shakespeare's actors did not rehearse their plays. There is zero evidence to suggest that they always faced the audience at all times. In fact, we know that to be patently false. So I go into this in more depth in the episode of the podcast under that title about what is original practice and Shakespeare and early modern rehearsal and play production methods. If the Duke continue these favors towards you, Cesario, you are like to be much advanced. He hath known you but three days, and already you are no stranger. You either fear his humor or my negligence. That you call in question the continuance of his love. Is he inconstant, sir, in his favors? No, believe me. I thank you. Here comes the Count. Who saw Cesario, ho? On your attendance, my lord, here. Stand you a while aloof, Cesario. Thou knowst no less but all. I have unclasped to thee the book even of my secret soul. Therefore, good youth, address thy gate unto her. Be not denied access. Stand at her doors, and tell them, there thy fixed foot shall grow till thou have audience. Sure, my noble lord. If she be so abandoned to her sorrow as it is spoke, she will never admit me. Be clamorous, and leap all civil bounds, rather than make unprofited return. Say I do speak with her, my lord. What then? Oh, then unfold the passion of my love. Surprise her with discourse of my dear faith. It shall become thee well to act my woes. She will attend it better in thy youth than in a nuncio's of more grave aspect. I think not so, my lord. Dear lad, believe it. For they shall yet belie thy happy years that say thou art a man. Diana's lip is not more smooth and rubious. Thy small pipe is as the maiden's organ, shrill and sound, and all is semblative a woman's part. I know thy constellation is right apt for this affair. Some four or five attend him. Uh, all, if you will, for I myself am best when least in company. Prosper well in this, and thou shalt live as freely as thy lord to call his fortunes thine. I'll do my best to woo your lady. Yet a barful strife, whoe'er I woo, myself would be his wife. back. We are now looking at Act 1, Scene 4, which you just got to listen to. 
we found ourselves in Duke Orsino's palace again in the same place where the play opens. And here we have Valentine, who again is attendant on the Duke. The poor Duke has the very personification of love attending him, and he still can't get the woman of his dreams. And Viola is meeting this personification of love, and Valentine is really giving Viola uh, a message of love. She's saying, you know, if the Duke continues these favors towards you, basically, you know, if he keeps being this nice to you, and favors could have been a number of things, right? Favors could have been money, could have been clothing, could have just been compliments or, or wanting Viola around. Viola, who's now posing as Cesario. It, in our version, uh, the or the last one I did, a, it was a sword. Was was when they were talking about the favor. She uh, had mm. like she had just received a gift. So we're trying to get a few things done at once there. Oh, very clever. <laughs> I don't know. Very clever. I like that. <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. And Viola doesn't really know how to take this. Viola seems to be feeling a little on the insecure side. And I, I really love this kind of subtle social interaction that happens so often in Shakespeare that we just kind of accept it. It's, it's just like breathing the air or something because she says, you either fear his humor or my negligence. So she's saying, well, you know, you either think he's like some flipperty gibbet or you think that I'm not being sincere. And then Valentine says, no, 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 I, I mean it. I mean that the Duke really seems to have feelings for you. And that, you know, you need to know as a new person in the court, he's just not this nice to everybody. Now, Valentine, who's again, an expert in love, you know, is seeing something that the rest of us had no way of knowing. So again, another little helpful bit of exposition. Clearly, Orsino has taken a shine to Cesario as Viola is in her form as a eunuch. And uh, Valentine says, no, believe me. Viola says, okay, okay, I believe you. That's great. And so then to me, that helps make more sense of Viola's feelings. Because we learn very quickly in this scene that Viola does in fact have feelings for Duke Orsino. But I will tell you, there is nothing quite so attractive as somebody being attracted to you. And I can't help but feel like this is making Viola feel str even stronger to the count than she already did. That he's giving her special treatment because who doesn't like special treatment, right? So Viola makes it past Valentine and is feeling a little more secure about her place in court. And that's really interesting. Says, that that's really interesting. I have never thought about that. That she's not as into it necessarily at this point. Mm -hmm. 
I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever really explored that idea before. Um, <laughs> You've struck John speechless. I got to think about that. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I have to think about that. Because that first scene, you know, in that first scene, you've got the, she's got a, you know, she sees him and, uh, and yeah, huh. I got to think about this. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Ever That's onward. all right. That's all right. And so then, then there's Orsino. And Orsino very rarely says anything that's not calculated, that's not meant to make him sound as intelligent and grandiose as possible. And I feel like that kind of presents a challenge in making him <laughs> seem attractive and likable. Stand you a while aloof, Cesario. Thou knowest no less but all. I have unclasped to thee the book even of my secret soul. All right. So there's a few things here that I think are going counter to what we're talking about, if I may. Yes. And, and th throw me in the face. Because we've got, comes <laughs> in uh, 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 saying, who saw Cesario? So for me, this is a very in the moment, I need a thing. I'm having an emotional moment thing. You know, when it mm -hmm. comes in, where's where's the person that knows me Where, who's I don't want to talk to you people where's the where's my friend and mm -hmm. on your attendance my lord here stand you a while aloof for me that's always been to the other mm -hmm. servants stand you a while aloof Cesario mm -hmm. thou knowest no less but all and here he says I haven't clasped the even the book of my most secret soul so uh we've got that the, there's this this depth of interaction to them already at least as far as he's concerned you know um and all of those uh treasures there and I've had it i've always had in my head that there's a fever to this with him that we that he's in we're seeing him in the throes of it here you know a little further down the page is as she says okay well what do you want me to 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 do and to say as he gets into those vowels those words oh this and oh that you know kind of starts to betray these sort of currents these rivers that he's you know flowing through right now you know so me this one has been and this is, again, just my two cents. And that's the wonderful thing is we've got 400 years worth mm -hmm. of two cents uh, from all of us <laughs> that are all valid. But he's always in the middle of something of the moment. And I think it's it's really shown out a little later in the scene when he startles himself and, you know, sees her in front of mm -hmm. him for a second. This is that first moment, too, you know, where. We, or him. Or as him. He thinks. Yeah, or him. But, yeah, oh, my gosh. Yeah. What? Yeah, it's we have that scene here. He's, I, and I, I think that fever is important to see him break from it for a sec, and for her slash him to see him break from it. Mm -hmm. But you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That of that of the moment, that passion is is I don't know. It depends. I guess it just depends on your Orsino. Well, I okay. So I'm trying to understand. So, are is what you're saying is that you feel like Orsino is just now think, coming to the realization that he has a lot of confusing feelings. I think he's been or... up all night on the top tower, shirt open, shouting at the wind. <laughs> you know what I mean? He thinks this is all very dramatic. You know, this is, he's, uh... I think he's in the middle. He's been up all night, you know, in my he's head. He's rehearsed these words in his head. Well, he's, and... I think he's constantly in a frame of, he's writing the album <laughs> constantly here. You know what yeah. I mean? He's like, and he's decided now, you 
Russell Brand style or something. He's got the mm -hmm. bottle. He's flopped the long rope, comes down the marble steps. Where's Cesario? I've just to have her write this down for me. I just had a brilliant idea, or so, you know, ah, it, it. it's somewhere in there. Got it. Got it. Got it. No, I, I think that I think that seems fair. I mean, I, you know, he's such a passionate person, and he's introduced with a very passionate line. And music is in his very soul. Music is so important to him. And music, it, it does, it moves us. But here he is talking to a musician. We know that Viola sings. And so here is this embodiment of this incredible power that he recognizes, the power of music to move emotions, to express emotions. And he's found somebody that is the instrument that is equal to his passion. Whereas before he just had to send the personification of love or, or some annuncio of greater aspect, you know, some, mm. some old dude, but who has nice robes or whatever. But finally he's found somebody with a clear voice and the kind of presence and the kind of beauty that can express his perfect passion. And at the same time, I kind of feel like, how can you not see a perfect instrument like that and not fall in love with it yourself? Who does not have a special relationship with their favorite guitar or their favorite paintbrush or whatever it is? It becomes this kind of uh, holy thing to you and you become very attached to it. So he's running down the stairs. All right, where is that genius singer that I need that's going to win Olivia over for me? And Viola Cesario uh, running up. She's saying, look, why do you think she's going to let me in? In a sense, she's expressing the same doubts that she expressed to Valentine Eve earlier. She's saying, why? What's so special about me? And then he explains, well, I, I think you're cuter. <laughs> <laughs> I think she'll let you in. Uh, and because you don't have no, it's... any of those annoying masculine qualities that Olivia seems to find so offensive <laughs> right now. It's, it's because there's a bolt of lightning from the magical island with the breeze and all of a sudden he's seeing his true love. That's why he's saying those things. No doubt. And so then she says, okay, I get in. And I love how direct Viola is here. Like she's not, she's not rising to his heightened flowery mm -hmm. language at all. She's just like, okay, I get in. What, what, what the hell do you want me to do about it? And then he explains, well, you know, you don't have a mustache. You don't have any facial hair. And uh, four or five of you go, you know, go with him to make him seem more important. I want to be by myself anyway. Mm. And then Viola uh, mm. leaves. So... I think that this is the first scene that we've gotten to that isn't almost, you know, 75% exposition. We're finally kind of getting into some plot movement yeah. here where we understand that Orsino 
has a use for viola. And all the things that Viola perhaps thought might be a li liability for her in this situation, he sees as a positive. The fact that she seems feminine, he thinks is a good thing. And imagine how relieved you would be in that situation. But then at the same time, she's like starting to get kind of a crush on him. And not just so, crush, mm -hmm. wife. Like, wait yeah. right to wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Does she talk about wife here? Oh, at the bottom. At the bottom where she has. I'm sorry. I apologize. You're right. Yeah. At the aside at the bottom. Where mm -hmm. I woo myself would be his wife. Well, and it's, yeah, it's only two lines. It's a crush. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. It's interesting to send this sending, you know, of someone. You know, that's always that's it's the device that, that's returned to again and again in these texts, and that always, you know, there's a lot of dramatic reasons to do that. You have the, <clears throat> pardon me, you have the developments of uh, the underling that's being sent, and we get to explore what's happening with them as well as the intentions of the person sending it. But you, I always find myself like, why doesn't he storm the gates? You know, why doesn't he? Uh, it's just the two oh, of them, you know what? <laughs> because it would be and wrong. She's also <laughs> right on yeah, so yeah. many levels. You know, she's she's made it clear she doesn't want him there. And yeah. the indignity, can you imagine, if he went down there himself and got turned away? Because at that point, she is refusing her superior lord, and it's an act of sedition. Well, and there's there's that history. He's he's tried some stuff mm -hmm. at this point. He's tried he's tried everything he knows how, but and so we're we're sort goes... of desperate now. We're kind of like this is the like here's the new kid. Uh, <laughs> go go talk to her for me. It's it's that kind of like not able to give up I... that it's over or you know accept that it's over. Or... Well, he's never been said no to before. Mm -hmm. You know, he's had women falling all over him, wanting to marry him for a long time. And perhaps back in the, the back of his mind all along was the idea that someday he would marry Olivia, even before her father died, even before her brother died. You know, he may have had this fantasy going on since mm -hmm. they were kids. You know, who knows? We don't know how long he's been in love with Olivia, but it certainly could have started a long time before that. And then he would have had to wait before he could declare his love and he's like okay i'm ready to declare my love now oh her mother died damn oh i'm ready to oh her dad died okay okay i'm i'm gonna get up the courage i'm gonna talk to her brother oh damn it and so then here he is and he's like well i can't go through her brother or her father I have to go through somebody. It's not appropriate for me to directly ask her for her hand in this situation. But, you know, we get the impression, certainly from Toby, that the accepted period of mourning for a brother has mm. come and gone. <laughs> With and that, in fact, she is prolonging this just to keep Orsino away. But she may have been like, I don't want anybody. Just leave me the heck alone. I'm still in mourning. I am not ready to marry anybody right now. 
and I don't think I'm going to be for seven years, and by then I'll be an old lady, and you'll just all leave me alone, hopefully. So Orsino is really limited in terms of what he can almost legally do without an act of war, without what's basically rape in terms of, you know, I am your lord and I want you to marry me. And then at that point, if she says no to him, then there's a whole bunch of other political stuff that comes in. And, you know, going back to Elizabeth, you know, every time that somebody of royalty would try to propose marriage to her, every time she said no, it's an act of war. This certainly happened with the King of Spain. You know, how dare she, this little, you know, uppity princess. And that's just making it even more enticing for him too, isn't it? It's like, we, we, we don't get any hatred from him, you know, at all really here. It's making it all, you know, that absence and that for me, it, there's always these, these two towers that, you know, one, uh, you know, across, you know, and him mm-hmm. pacing around and, and just getting just stuck in the cage and, and that doing half of the work in this love story going on in his head. Olivia doesn't have to do anything here. You know, he's doing it to himself. (laughs) He's doing it (laughs) to himself. And you have to kind of wonder at what point is he upset because she's not returning his affections. And at what point is he just pissed off because he's being denied? Well, and I think it's telling the language here helps with that. You know, Shakespeare lets us dive into some verse when he, when he starts to, to talk there so at least for him he's in a a rhapsody mode you know he's 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 mm-hmm. flowery he's yeah you know he's he's getting mm-hmm. he's caught up in it okay any other insights about this scene before we move on just a quick you know two seconds it's always these little fun yeah. fun things at the end here these little like uh and this is kind of you know we we get this the little size or the little Oh, he thinks this of me and that kind of thing beforehand. But this moment here of, I'll do my best to woo your lady, get a barful strife, mm-hmm. where I woo myself would be his wife. It's just so much information <laughs> to just sort of tag mm-hmm. on there, you know. And I love that, you know, you can really see Shakespeare's mm-hmm. uh, sort of utility and needs here in the scene. You know, it's it's for me one of the only slightly inelegant, possibly uh, if I can get away with saying that about anything Shakespeare mm-hmm. did. Um, it, it's just so much information to drop in, uh, in a transition to the that's next what scene, it, really. that, You know yes. what I mean? So That's what a concluding couplet is for. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. We're going <laughs> to kick ourselves into the action and, you know. That's what that device yeah. is for. There is that weird thing with, with guys in uh, the getting love, especially the, that are – any kind of denial and it's so weird i just personally you know going back to what you said uh rachel about the most intoxicating thing being that someone likes you you know <laughs> um i just uh, when you get the no it sours it uh, you know you would think for for mm-hmm. people a bit but no there's a breed of of guy here that needs to wring every mm-hmm. possible interaction out of it and you know this is it could very easily get creepy it is creepy Mm, very much so yeah it is creepy yes it is very creepy Mm -hmm. he's very stalkerish and 
again, that's why it's a real challenge to make him appealing enough that it makes sense that Viola blurts out this revelation at the end of mm-hmm. this scene that she that she's ready to marry that guy. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Bridget rolled her eyes. Everyone, everyone listening at home, Bridget, there was a distinct eye roll there. Yes, yes, there was. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it is, it's that whole, like, having grown up in the 80s and 90s and looking back on the movies that we loved as kids, like Say Anything and Oof. Pretty in Pink yeah. and, you know, 16 oh. Candles. I'm like, no. <laughs> No, those were terrible. Those were terrible. And I was just old enough at that Mm -hmm. point to recognize that they Mm -hmm. were terrible. No, not me. Not me. Boy, I'll tell you. But I'm an I'm an I was outside the window with the ghetto blaster right there with him. I was uh so you know, luckily as I say, I've always had a healthy dose of arrogance. So uh I don't like to go after anything that's not, you know, hundred percent down for the gun show here, but uh yeah, <laughs> but the um, it and it also gives you more to probably to write about, right? If if the guy's like not giving it up, right? We don't want to finish this thing in the first act. Uh, he's got to. <laughs> well, well, and even though you know we're all relatively mature folk, you know that I think we're all in you know, partnered relationships and have been for a while and had to do some growing up in order to make those survive and blah, 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 blah. But 16, 17, maybe. I, oh yeah, she's a dummy. Oh my God. I mean, (laughs) the men that I fell in love with at that age, I'm so embarrassed. I, I mean, I, I kind of married Orsino <laughs> myself, only he didn't have the social status. Uh, you know, you mm. want approval, right? Especially when we're young, we're caught in that mix of both not wanting approval, not wanting to need approval, and yet at the same time desperately needing it. Because it, if we're not a if we're not accepted into adult society, it bodes very, very badly for us on a purely financial survival level. So it's so interesting, too, because he's, you know, looking back on on this wonderful play in with these eyes, you know, and uh, especially mm-hmm. from our time right now, not even mm-hmm. five years ago, but right now mm-hmm. with, with all of the conversations going on about these issues, too, and to and to see and dig through and find such rich fertile ground here in you know this was uh, uh you know a cross-dressing heavy play shakespeare certainly mm-hmm. having some of this kind of beta i don't know if that's the right word but the obsessive um you know the sonnets were not shall we say restrained <laughs> you know in no. uh he, he was clearly focusing on something there you know how much of that is the is the mode at the time and, mm-hmm. you know, like, if there were, say, you know, women, you know, uh, acting then, you know, do these mm-hmm. themes become as relevant, you know, to us today and and, and come out so much to Twelfth Night really, I, I would say almost more than any of them, uh, we really associate with gender, uh, idea, ideas about gender, right, you know, and I think that, you know, that we can see already that Viola is expressing her, 
I don't know if discomfort is the right word, but her, the puzzle that she's facing as, you know, this gender issue that she's attracted to this man and he's attracted to this other woman. And well, she, you know, she knows that he likes her, but he likes her as a man. And what does that really mean? If he likes her as a man, would he like her as a woman? And I mean, my gosh, can you imagine being in that situation? All right. Um, this was fantastic. In the next scene, we are moving ahead into Olivia's house. And this is just a huge scene. And we get to meet a lot of really wonderful characters, including Festi and Malvolio. And the scene opens with uh, Maria and Festi having a little chat. 